Thank you. Thank you very much and welcome. I'm Father Mitch Packwell, and welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from all around the world. Tonight we didn't go far, just over to the next town. But we are here to talk about a very important topic. We want to talk about praying through hard times of desperation that come into almost everybody else's life, everybody's life. And what should we expect when we ask God authentic questions, questions that really come from our hearts, like, why me, Lord? Why did this happen now? When will this pain subside? And how can I possibly get through this? I can't take it anymore. These are important human responses to difficult situations. And our guest tonight says that when we are receptive to listening to God, especially during challenging times, the Lord speaks to us and reveals the truth of his love. So please welcome the Bishop Emeritus of the Diocese of Birmingham. And he is also the author of a new book entitled Prayers of Desperation, a questioner's prayer for answers in our darkest moments. Please welcome Most Reverend Robert J. Baker. Bishop right. Baker, Good to welcome. Be with you. Thank you. Good so to much. have you here. Always Back a pleasure. with you. Back. And Thank it's you. a pleasure to have you. Now, we didn't have to go very far for you to just a Up few minutes road. away, about 15 minutes. Yeah, Trustville. <laughs> yep, yep. And this. First of all, before we get into the book, I just want to pay homage to something that was uh, part of your own life as a bishop, namely the passing of Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI. You got to meet him a few times, correct? I did indeed, yes. Yeah. And um, uh, blessed with uh, having been appointed Bishop of Birmingham by Benedict XVI. So right. we have a special relationship there. Um, coincidentally, I, I would correspond with him uh, over the years of his retirement and uh, sent him a Christmas card this year, and believe it or not, I got one back yes. from him. Of course, it uh, would have been sent from Rome probably two weeks ago, and I arrived just two days ago. Uh -huh. So uh, it was special to me that uh, you know, it came right after his, his passing. Yeah. But uh, I had also received, uh, and I don't know if you have that on the screen, but uh, uh, the little picture of the card, and um, I had also received once a, a, a book from him uh, on the great Christian thinkers uh, that he had authored and uh, inscribed to me as a gift right after he had retired as, as Pope, and uh, it was one of his many books, but uh, was a special gift that I, I treasure as well. Yeah. I was able to uh, meet him maybe three times or four as, as uh, Pope, and um, also uh, had met him as Cardinal Ratzinger uh, when I did an odd limit of visit when he was heading the Congregation for Doctrine of Faith and had dialogue with him at that time and uh, concelebrated Mass for World Youth Day in Krakow, pardon me, not Cologne, Germany, yeah, Cologne, Germany shortly yeah. after he became Pope. So, yeah. so uh, you know, there's that bond, and uh, all of us have a bond with uh, our popes, and I was able to concelebrate Mass at our cathedral last evening with Bishop Reka for 
Pope Benedict and offered mass for him at my home this morning. Yes. So, yes. so no, we're all grieving that loss of mm -hmm. a, a great man, holy pope, and uh, one of the all-time great theologians of our Catholic Church. Yeah, no, I think that that's right. And uh, the last pope we will be able to have had who actually attended Vatican II. That's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so we will be praying, uh, we have, we'll be showing the funeral uh, tomorrow morning uh, from Rome live, and we'll also show the memorial service from Washington for those who want to see that as well. Well, you know, this, in a time, even a loss like that, you know, this is appropriate. Um, you wrote this book for people that are going through really tough times. And a lot of folks turn to God in tough times. And often enough, I hear them say, well, Lord, just get rid of this. Just take this away. And when it doesn't just go away, they are tempted to begin to doubt God. And they're tempted to even, you know, just give up and or, or even give up their faith in God. That's the kind of situation you're addressing here, is it not? So we're in the Christmas season right now, and it's kind of uh, strange to be maybe bringing this topic up. But as a matter of reality, even Christmas can be a time when people go through struggles. Yeah. And I just dealt with that with um, family who, who I know their son uh, got into a drug that had fentanyl in it that apparently took his life. So yeah. um, they called me Christmas Day and we're arranging for his funeral coming up. So even at Christmas time, we have desperation, people in des desperate situations. So imagine a situation um, that tragic, but everybody experiences difficult situations in life. Mm -hmm. And um, I had, over the last 25 years as a priest and bishop, uh, worked with people struggling with addiction. So I got to know kind of the world uh, of addictions uh, more from experience than training. And uh, met a nun who came to help us in Florida when I was pastor there. Mother Elvira Petrazzi, uh, who founded... She was a guest on this program some you. years ago. That's correct. And she's still living. The community has grown a lot. There are now about 70 houses throughout the world. We have one here in Hansville uh, uh, nearby. And I learned from her um, that the Catholic Church needs to be out there with people who are hurting. Mm -hmm. We should not run away from whatever the complicated problem is people are facing. Uh, the church has an answer, and the answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, it just seems to me, Father Mitch, that um, often people want to um, suppress or submerge their problems instead of dealing with them realistically. And by getting to know the people who are families and individuals dealing with addictions, I learned how dealing honestly and realistically with your problem and taking it to the Lord uh, as well is a way of the best spiritual therapy. 
So AA and NA are programs that base themselves on the God factor. And AA stands for Alcoholics Anonymous? That's correct. And NA stands for Narcotics Anonymous, That's correct. correct? And, and those are wonderful programs. Mm -hmm. uh, what Mother Elvira did um, to add to the beauty of those programs is center her rehabilitation around the Lord of the Eucharist and the sacraments as well, and devotion to the Blessed Mother using some of the same principles as AA and NA do. Mm -hmm. But what strikes me, Father Mitch, is that unfortunately too seldom does the Catholic community use its own resources, which are powerful. Um, the Eucharist is the most powerful, and the, the word chanaclo means cynical. So this- Re Referring to the upper room. The where upper room. Christ had the Last Supper. Yes the Chinaculo, the upper room, the room of the chain of the Last Supper. And that is the focus of her healing and, and the Lord of the Eucharist. So Mother Avira says you have to eat three times a day for your body. You need to eat three times a day for your soul. So prayer, the Eucharist, the rosary, they pray the rosary three times a day. Mm -hmm. So my, my point is um, let's use our resources now, the, the origin of this book started when uh, I, I and, and here's where you can help me as a scripture scholar, where I, I noticed how in the Bible, um, many of Jesus' teaching, teachings resulted from questions his apostles put to him. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot written about the questions Jesus asked people. That's been written about quite a bit, but not so much about the questions the people asked Jesus. And they weren't always smart questions, well articulated. But Jesus didn't seem to me to shy away from them. So I once wrote an article for the Florida Times Union on the teachings of Jesus, many of them being prompted by the questions people asked. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I have talked about how, well, I said, is this, did Jesus use this Socratic uh, uh, method of teaching, the, the question answer? Uh, method in, is his way. And I guess you, you told me, well, the Jewish approach to teaching was preceded the Socrates. It, yeah. it goes way back. Socrates is fairly, you know, uh, fifth century is late, but this has been part of, you know, Jewish discourse, uh, you know, where a question is asked because it's a brilliant way to teach. You know, Socrates was right. Uh, Israel was doing it earlier, but the idea of asking a question puts awareness into the other person that, well, I don't know. Maybe I should find out. You know, it, it's a, an important part of, you know, the way we learn is by putting questions to the students so they think about it. And uh, oftentimes you'll see even with modern Jewish people, but also in the Gospels. You ask a, a, a question and you answer it with another question. Why do Jewish people use so many questions? So why wouldn't they? You know, right. it's another right. question. Right. Uh, that's... Right. So we don't have to be afraid of our questions. And mm -hmm. um, the, that's the point of this book. Um, I, I think people bury a lot of times in their prayer life mm -hmm the questions that are really deep rooted in them. Mm -hmm. Of course, psychologists know that. And when they're interviewing you, they're always trying to get at what's the question, the issue behind the issue. 
the question behind the question. And so what I suggest to people struggling, take that question to God. And, and it can be, you can have doubt uh, that is surfacing, but you could, what I try to tell people, take the question as a prayer of faith. In other words, there's a difference between really a question uttered in doubt I, I could care less. I, I don't know. I don't really care about God. I, re, I question, but I don't bother going to him. So I just despair, I disbelieve, I doubt. And many people go that route. In this case, we're saying, take the question to Jesus. Ask the question in faith. So scripturally, and, and you, you're a, a wonderful person to comment on this, um, Zechariah and the Blessed Mother both Ask the question related to uh, how I can deal with this situation. Yeah, and the situation of the angel Gabriel coming to both of them to announce that there's going to be a new baby in their lives. Correct. But they had, they had, they approached it in different ways. Mm -hmm. Mary with a faith concern and, and Zechariah in a different way. You would know better than me yeah, how, they, how they handled that. When the angel... <clears throat> speaks to, Jer to Zechariah and says, you will have a son who will have the spirit of Elijah and he will, you know, turn people, their sons back to their fathers, fathers to their sons, all that. And his question was, how will I know this is true? How will I know this? Whereas when Our Lady is confronted, she says, how will this be since I know not man? So the difference is Zechariah doesn't know whether to believe this. So he asks for evidence. Give me some proof that this will happen. And Our Lady says, well, how will this be? In other words, what do I do next? Since I don't have a, a man, I know not man. How will this be? So it was uttered in faith, and Zechariah is not so faith, much in faith with not knowing what to do. Yeah. Whereas Zechariah needs to know. Yeah, so and he gets the sign that you'll be mute for the next nine months right. until the baby's born. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. So the point is. He gets a sign. I don't think he liked it. Yeah. The point would be that we can um, approach difficult situations with uh, doubt, despair, or we can approach them with faith. And the point of the book, now use the word desperation. Um, there could be maybe a better word, but um, it kind of sums up all those uh, difficult, dark moments that we bring to God. And there, there can be any number of them. Uh, you know, we refer to the dark night of the soul, uh, St. Mother Teresa, the, her, uh, I love the Lord in, in the dark. Um, she was at a high level of spirituality. Most of us probably don't come at our dark nights at her level of spirituality, but we have, have those situations. And what we have to learn to do is embrace the darkness. Um, suffering. Um, Mother Alvira uses the word sufferenza with her, uh, her members of community that don't run from the suffering that's in your life. Right. Escape from it with drugs or some other instant solution. Uh, face it and, and, and take it to the Lord. 
we have all poverty, we all have poverty, and she uses the word poverties and suffering. Our modern culture tries to avoid suffering and avoid confronting uh, realistically what is a poverty in our lives. And that takes humility and it takes time. So um, learning how to embrace our sufferings uh, and say, yeah, it's there, Lord. Uh, I, I maybe don't have control over this, but you do. And so I take it to you. I don't want to run from it with some cheap, easy, quick solution that is going to ruin my life. Yeah, I think, you know, there, there are inevitable sufferings. Some <coughs> are worse than others. You know, when we lose a parent, you know, we oftentimes expect that that's going to happen, you know. But when somebody loses a child, yeah. that is another level of suffering. I'm not supposed to bury my children. My children should bury me. Correct. And when that happens, people, you know, just, you know, it, it just te tears them apart. Well, you just had Marcus Grodi. I, I watch EWTN regularly, and this yeah. past week he interviewed an architect whose daughter was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Mm -hmm. Now, that shattered him and his wife, and the question was, where's God in all this, too? Right. Um, eventually he found his way to Lourdes and there was a healing. But um, how many other parents deal with situations like that? And it may not be a terminal illness, but it can be something really uh, life-threatening at the time or, or, or serious. The young man, uh, Buffalo Bills, uh, football game, uh, hit in the chest, hard right. stopped. What was so beautiful, I thought, in the result of that happening was an ESPN announcers stopped and said, I, I might get in trouble for doing this, but I'm going to do a prayer today. Right. Uh, right. I mean, why not? <clears throat> yeah. Why not take that situation right away to God? Now, uh, media people might have jumped on him for doing that. This is not permitted on our network, but that is the right response. Exactly. Take our prayer to God. Take our situation to God. And I, th I think, and one of the things that you deal with here is that you don't pretend with God. You don't try to say, oh, it'll all work out, it'll be fine. No, what the confusion, the lack of knowledge about the future, what does this mean, when is this going to end? All those questions are what you bring to God. It's not that you pretend, oh no, I'm just going to have faith and nothing bothers me. It's rather you confront those difficulties and invite God. You don't either go to one extreme saying, um, I give up on God, forget it. I'm just going to, it's all over, it's nothing. Yeah. Neither do you pretend it isn't painful. You encounter God where it happens. So suffering, Mother Elvira, determined that one of the big factors in addiction is a failure to embrace our sufferings. And so the, the Christian solution is, what does Jesus tell us? Follow him. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, that's what this book is about. And um, following him means the cross, huh? inevitably the cross. So we have the questions, who, Lord, when, Lord, why, Lord, how, Lord, what, Lord, where, Lord, and... Um, 
uh, if you're a, an author and doing writing, you actually ask those questions in the course of writing your book or article. When I was doing a course in writing in Latin, it was quis quid obi quibus auxiliis cur quomodo quando, the Latin for all those things. But those are the questions that uh, are at the center of our lives. So um, it, it, it can be the best prayer we utter in a certain circumstance mm-hmm. because it's not contrived. It's where I am in this moment, uh, in this day of my life. I, I might wish it would be other, but this is how it is. So, Lord, hear my prayer. Where do I go from here? And then, you know, it's not telling God, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's trying to listen to him and let him speak to you. And the scriptures help us do that. I mean, we have models in the book, our models of how Mary did that. Uh, uh, Jesus on the cross quotes Psalm 22, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and utter, uh, uh, prayed in utter, um, not despair, but... Desperation. Where, desperation. Yeah. Where are you? In, in my human experience, my father, I'm like the psalmist saying, you seem so far away. That's how much God suffered for us. You know, when I was looking for pictures of the cross to put in that chapter, and um, I wanted a picture that had Jesus suffering. So we have two kinds of images of the cross, the resigned cross at the end, Consummatum est, it is accomplished. But, but we also have those like this, you know, where we can see Jesus was pained. Um, mm-hmm. um, whatever we think of Mel Gibson and the Passion of Christ, he brings that out, doesn't he? That it was horrendous suffering that Jesus went through that we can never really fathom or imagine. Well, I had to look to find one because <laughs> most of the pictures I'd find of the cross were the resigned Christ. Now, I'm not against that because ultimately... That's, that's one moment it, of the crucifixion. It, it's the final moment. Mm-hmm. But leading up to that were those three hours mm-hmm. and so if Jesus could utter that kind of prayer, um, surely we can as well. That, that prayer is, uh, by the way, Psalm 22 is called a psalm of lament. Lament. And the largest group of psalms, there are different types of psalms. There are hymns of praise, there are community praise, thanksgiving psalms, personal thanksgiving, communal thanksgiving, wisdom psalms, all these different types of psalms. But the largest grouping of psalms are the psalms of lament. Uh No, No other type of psalm is as common as lament because life is hard. It's just plain hard at times. Well, you and I pray the Psalms every day in the Liturgy Mm -hmm. of the Hours, and I know uh, I've grown to love them by praying them. Yes. Uh, I regret that so many who should be praying them uh, don't because it's a great gift of the church. But as I get along and then there'll be one or the other passage where I'll just stop because it's hitting me that day. It's speaking to my heart. So I appreciate uh, you're a scholar in these areas. I'm not, but what you say about Psalm 22 relates 
to that first chapter of that book. Yeah, and, and I, I've suggested to many other people that you can go to the Psalter. You know, at, at some of the very painful times in my own life, I would just focus on those laments because life, again, brings on these pains. And you don't give up prayer. The, the name Israel means he wrestles with God. Mm. He doesn't give up. I quit. I'm leaving the game. No. You continue to encounter God with lament. And the lament, Psalms of lament are these inspired prayers to guide us through so we don't go too far to despair or too far to silliness and denying the pain. It, it keeps us in that realm of, uh, you know, where we can meet God and where he answers us back. So I mentioned the Chinacolo Community of Mother Elvira, uh, a book uh, published by Sophia Institute Press, uh, describes her program. Um, one of the pictures in the book <coughs> is of um, their uh, Adoration Chapel, their chapel in uh, a Mary Immaculate community in Florida, St. Augustine. And um, it's an artist from Peru who um, used some of the men themselves it's hard to depict Jesus, of course. Mm -hmm. It's taken a chance, but I think they did a pretty good job. But they located, and this chapter is on where, Lord, where do we find Jesus, and ultimately the Eucharist. And, and they, they put the Eucharist at the center as his heart, which uh, I, like, I like that. It, with people struggling with addictions, many have been away from church. It's hard to visualize what the Eucharist means, but this does a pretty good job. And um, many many, many uh, young men have found their way to Jesus uh, before that image of him with the, the Holy Eucharist centered there. But unfortunately, the young man that painted it, um, a Peruvian artist, um, lost his life. He was hit by a car, tragic event, mm -hmm. um, uh, and killed uh, riding his bicycle. But um, we remember him, and he's given credit for that in this book. In, in, <laughs> in one sense, you know, you can see where even though he died in a tragic way, that what his insight into Jesus is still passed on to all of us. Right. Some people would say, well, you're taking away, leaving, putting too much away, giving an image instead of letting imagination run there. But um, if you know people struggling with addictions, they need a little more concrete sure. vision. And, and I, I think it's, it's, it's well done. But all these chapters have have pictures that relate, also uh, uh, pictures worth a thousand words. And, mm -hmm. uh, and the crucifix, uh, one, uh, one of the pictures is repeated. It's repeated at the end. <clears throat> I did a poem. I'm not a great poet, but as a seminarian, I probably was. And I was meditating before a crucifix in our seminary like 60-some years ago when I was a seminarian at the Josephinum Seminary. And, and it had an image of Jesus, and under it it said, consummatum est. Of course, those are his last words. and um, It means it is finished. It is finished. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the last words of the poem. But the first words, uh, it's called Calvary's Pair, Prayer. With outstretched, outstretched hands, I beg of thee, Father, hear my plea. 
This cross has torn my body, be not far from me. Grief and anguish plague me, wounds and pain are mine. My blood-drenched eyes implore thee, pity what is thine. And it goes on to graphically kind of portray that suffering of Jesus until the consummata mess. So it was a long road, those three hours. And um, um, there's no way we can properly depict it in painting or words, but uh, it, it's where we need to go with our suffering to the and cross. Something like an image <clears throat> might get us started, but then as we pray and meditate, this is where God enters. Our prayer is not just as you well know in this book. It's our prayer is not just a uh, sense of what I do, some technique mm-hmm. I come up with. It's rather looking for God and being encountered by Him and letting Him come into our lives. Some, I don't hear words or anything from God. I don't get locutions and visions, but there's this presence of His peace that, you know, as St. Saint Paul said, surpasses understanding. Right. That's what, where our Lord enters in, and we may not be able to explain it. Correct. Well, you're, the, the Jesuits are the masters of discernment. St. Ignatius uh, formed you all in uh, discerning God's will with um, the special training that he has given to the Jesuits in spiritual discernment. And the ways of prayer and contemplation, um, you, you've been gifted with how do we hear God? Mm-hmm. And I think he, he would explain this better than me, uh, mm-hmm. how the words we formulate center around Jesus to the images of our life relation to him. Uh, as we relate to him then and his suffering, uh, it embellishes our own uh, understanding of our suffering. So Take it to Jesus, huh? Exactly, exactly. That's very, very important. And uh, by the way, you've been making reference to Mother Elvira Petrozzi yes. um, a number of times. And there's a book that it's called The Embrace of God's Mercy that I get it's by her. Yeah. Uh, it's about Mother Elvira and the rise of the community Chanakolo. Uh, you can get that book if you want to find out more about that because here you have a woman yes. who suffered a lot herself. Her father was an alcoholic yeah. and she <laughs> went through a lot and understands finding God in the midst of difficult suffering. But that's uh, available at EWTNRC.com where it's item number 8236. Oh, good. We also would like to let people know um, because... It's not only that we're dealing with people suffering through addiction. Yes. Now, with all of this fentanyl that is yes. coming across our border, we're mm-hmm. losing over 100,000 people a year. Yes. You recently had a, f- a friend die yes. of fentanyl poisoning. Christmas Last Day. summer, my cousin died yeah. from fentanyl poisoning. They're not trying to take fentanyl. No. It's a poison put into the drugs. Right. And they don't even know they're getting it. Right. And twice as many people as died in Vietnam yeah. War, on our side anyway, yeah. die from this every year. So yeah. you can find out more about the Comunità Cenacolo in America by visiting their website, which is called Hope 
HopeReborn.org. HopeReborn.org. We need to take a little break, but we'll come back in a couple of minutes. Want to get your questions, questions from our live studio audience, and more from Bishop Baker. So please stay with us. this question that we have a question here in the studio audience you also did something on the 12 days of christmas well that was uh, over a couple year period and uh, it was uh, first of all uh, it started off as 12 days but remember it's more than 12 days of christmas yeah it becomes almost 15 or so because it's now the the baptism of the lord is the the end point of the christmas season yeah. which is coming up uh, for us Sunday. Ne- next a week from uh, next monday oh that's next true. monday it's the monday after the okay. yeah so and then i was propelled to do um, advent uh, so we're hopeful that that could be put together as a book also and that's we're yeah. in dialogue with ewtn yeah. publishing yeah so they can they can find that's that's a dvd right uh, it is. Yeah, it is indeed. Twelve days of Christmas. Christmas. Here yeah. we are. We're uh, at the tenth day of Christmas. Here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and in the Maronite right, we still celebrate only twelve days. On, only twelve. Yeah, days. Yeah. You don't go to the baptism. No. Well, yeah, it's this uh, on the sixth. All right, sixth is Sunday. Okay. No. No, it's Friday. 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 So we celebrated Friday. And we okay, do it on the sixth itself. Wonderful. Okay. We don't move around to Sunday. There we go. Well, let's go all the way to Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so. We have a question here. Sir, where are you from? Uh, St. Louis. Good to have you here. Yes, welcome, sir. welcome. Thank and you. what's your question or comment? Uh, maybe rhetorical, but uh, as I was asking earlier, we all go through life with a lot of sadness and grief. Like you say, this veil of tears. Uh, we experience a lot of loss, family members, death, injuries, illness, cancer, all sorts of things, mm-hmm. drug addictions. And we tend to all seek answers, and we ask each other, we ask our doctors, we ask our friends, we ask God, why? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my child? Why did this happen to my friend? Why did... We're always asking why. And, and at some point, I started to think, is that really the right question we should mm-hmm. be asking? Because car accidents happen, cancer happens, and it's not maybe a why question. Uh, that I think you're, seems to me you're a man of faith and you're coming at it really at a high level, pretty high level of faith at that point where you can say, um, I'm, you know, I'm not any different from anybody else and people struggle worse than me. I commend you for that because I think you have worked through a lot of those initial questions. But my experience is that many people unfortunately, would not be at your level of faith. And they would be tempted to throw in the towel. And uh, my experience with people dealing with addictions is 99% of those people 
are running away mm. from that faith response you have. And that's my reading of you. I just see you as a little, a little moved, a little above. This is not necessarily, the, the questioner's prayer is not the, necessarily the high level of prayer. I'm just saying it's prayer, and it may be elemental, but it may be real. It may be real. Um, like, we know as bishops, 70% of our people don't go to Mass on Sunday. I'm sure you do. Why don't they go? The bishops are asking that question, but I think for many it's that God doesn't really matter. The prayer of faith is at least an elemental acknowledgement of the, the questioner's prayer. God matters to me to the point where I at least take my prayer to him. Huh? Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, too many people would not do what you do. Go to Mass on Sunday. Come to EWT and live. Uh, you're an exception, yeah. is my experience. Mm -hmm. So what the church is dealing with right now is grappling with those 70% of people don't, whose shadow doesn't cross the, the door of a church on a Sunday. And, 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 and rightly, Pope Francis has got us, you know, go out to the peripheries and find them. So I was involved in those peripheries for the last 25 years. And um, I think that's our mission, is people like yourself uh, helping go out there Sometimes our parishes, our, our neighborhoods have changed. Uh, the, the parish we had, it was flourishing now, only has 10% of the people going to Mass on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We just say, oh, this is terrible. No, we go out to our neighborhood. And, and it may be yeah, changed. Like the neighborhood may be like Blessed Sacrament here in Birmingham. It's predominantly black. So... You go and out, black you go, and non-Catholic. And non-Catholic. Mm -hmm. so, so that's my point. It's, 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 I commend you for that question because it reflects an understanding of I, I embrace my suffering. I, 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 but I, I just my experience is so many people uh, have abandoned the faith, any faith, because they could care less or they feel God doesn't really care about me anyway. And those so, are the ones I've... I've been working with is addicts. One of the things that I also sense <coughs> is that sticking with the, the, the question, why did this happen to me, is not a bad question. But if you insist on the answer, I'm not moving forward till I find out why, you're making a mistake. I think it's one of those questions about why is this going on. You tuck in the back of your mind. You don't keep it in the forefront. It's more important in the midst of suffering to say, Lord, what do you want me to do at this moment? I remember reading something when Pearl Buck, a very fine author, had died. And they, she said, not long before she died, the pain and difficulties of my life didn't make sense until I reached my old age. Oftentimes we need more perspective 
And that's why I say tuck it in the back of your mind. Don't worry about demanding to answer why. Find out what you do next. And over time, you'll begin to see the why unfold. And I think that's important. And that's what he was getting at, too. Exactly. I think that happens um, if you don't kind of control God, how he's going to answer your why. Tanakhla community lasts a minimum of three years. And it doesn't end after you leave. Mm -hmm. And the answer may not come in those three years that you might expect. So the the patient side of your question uh, is allowing God to answer. It's not controlling controlling God. It's it's taking your prayer to God and believing like Mary did. You know, I don't have an answer to how this can be. What what do I do next? What do I do next? Right. And that's faith. Right. That's faith. We have a caller online. Clara, you're calling from Louisville, Kentucky? Yes, Father. Thank you, ma'am. What can we do for you? Well, I have a 48-year-old grandson whose wife took her life four years ago. He now has two beautiful little daughters. They're 12 and 8. And he has terminal cancer. Uh, his mother-in-law has advanced Alzheimer's. He's her only caregiver. And it, and last night, his little 12-year-old could not sleep. She couldn't go to school today. And it's hard to understand, <laughs> Bishop Baker, why? Why on two beautiful little girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, they're, that these little girls are put at risk. You know, where do they go next? Yeah. You know, this is, this is something that's... This is real life, huh? Yeah, yeah. And what you're talking about, it hits so many families in different, different ways. Um, I just commend you in uh, calling in to share that because um, that's reality. And uh, you're there as the grandmother, I believe, right? Great-grandmother. Great-grandmother. You know, grandmothers and great-grandmothers are are big factors in society today because you have a faith perspective and don't undermine uh, the level of your influence on your great-grandchildren. So um, God has given you that perspective that he talks about that you have over your daughter, son, granddaughter to give to them. And I, I just commend grandparents, help any way you can. I also get parents uh, uh, who are struggling with um, uh, grandparents that their children did not have their children baptized and mm-hmm. brought to the Lord, you know. Well, you know, there's only <coughs> so much you can do as grandparents, but, you know, you're there. You're a presence and you have faith. So um, pull out the stops. Uh, whatever you have to give to them, um, right now, be with them. And it may be nothing more than being with them. Don't undermine that mm-hmm. presence. And then can you take them to church to pray mm-hmm. uh, and, and let them sometimes vocalize a child's prayer, which can be very profound. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes a child has more insight than we do. It, and in that kind of situation, though, they, <clears throat> there's also that question, 
Um, again, the why question, that may be something that those two little girls will be able to answer better mm -hmm. than you, Clara, but only after they've gone through the next stages. They're about to lose their father. Their mother's already dead. And their grandmother, the caretaker, is sick. Who is going to be there? And I th this is the kind of situation where rather than put this in the hands of the state or the government, yeah. you know, other friends, maybe, uh, you know, uh, godparents or confirmation sponsors or some other members of the church might be able to step in. And now's the time to ask God, who will be able to be the ones that the Lord wants to take care of these children to make the transition after the father dies? That would be very important to do. And it's, again, finding out like Our Lady did, what do I do next? What's next? And what, do, what steps do I take in this difficult situation? That would be very important. Very beautifully said. So. You know, when you take it to Jesus, difficult though it is, um, somewhere there's an answer. Uh, Mitch proposed, Father Mitch proposed a couple possibilities. Um, I, I was once dealing with a, a difficult situation like that, and, and he said, I don't have an answer, mm -hmm. but God will help you find that if you just stay connected. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy thing mm -mm. to resolve. It's not. It's not. But that's where it's a matter <clears throat> of listening and watch, Lord, who you promised to take care of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Now, how do you want to take care of these two little girls? That would be the next thing. So they remember the dad loving them and preparing to give them to someone else to care when he can't. So that would be important. We have another caller online. Uh, Michael, you're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, yes, Father Mitch. Good evening. And you did a great job in Beaumont, Texas. And um, tonight, I just want to ask Bishop Baker as well as yourself uh, a question, one each. They're rather short, but uh, Bishop Baker, I believe I listened to you a few years ago give a homily one time on EWTN during one of their masses. And it concerned a man uh, who was a bomber squadron commander in England during World War II, and he told all the people in his, like, flight wing, if you stick with me praying the rosary, I'm going to get you through this war and through our tour of duty, flying over Europe. Um, and remarkably, he did. And he got all his squadron back when listening to your homily. If I heard you were the one saying that they did get back, and one man who was a Protestant, I don't think he ever converted, he still carried a rosary with him. And I yes. think you mentioned a nun noticed that on him one day. Yeah. And finally, Father Mitch, in your prison experience just recently, how do you go about teaching or talking to the unchurched about the Catholic faith? And that's what okay. I have. Okay, well, first, Bishop. Well, you... I'm, I'm glad somebody remembered a homily I preached. So <laughs> it doesn't always happen, and I do remember that story. And uh, yes, um, so the power of, of praying the rosary, even in witnessing it to people who are not Catholic, that was kind of the point that um, 
we never know what effect our praying will have on others. I, mm -hmm. That's why I mentioned to the great-grandmother, um, the, the, sometimes we, we do a lot by mentoring, but we do more by modeling our faith than anything else. Now, I'll, I'll switch back because that might lead into what you're going to say. So. Yeah, in terms of dealing with folks who are, you know, outside of faith, one of the things I, I find very important is I go into a situation and listen. It's very important to listen to what their concerns are rather than saying much. They, oftentimes, especially if, when they know that I'm a priest, I'm wearing my clerics and such, you know, that they can be a little on the defensive. So I tend to sit and listen for little things that give me a clue as to what's bothering them. And after a good time of spending time listening to them, I'll sort of toss something in. I've, I've said this any number of times. Um, I love to hunt. And frankly, I think like a hunter. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm sitting camouflaged and I'm looking for what's coming in, and I want to make sure that I get a heart shot. In this case, I'm not going to shoot any humans, but I want to be able to listen carefully enough and observe their behavior so that when I do say something, it goes to their heart and not just me getting out what I want to get out. It's more important to reach them and I don't worry about, oh, did that affect you? Did that help you? I leave that be and trust that our Lord is going to be the one who really converts. So I don't convert anybody. I give reasons to believe, but God stirs their hearts and He converts them. That's the role of grace. We have another caller. We have Sebastian in Winthrop, Massachusetts. Sebastian, what can we do for you? Oh, thank you for taking my call, Father. And uh, my question is, I'd like you to comment on it, or uh, 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 Bishop Baker there. Do you hear me okay, Father? Oh, just fine. Just fine. Oh, okay, okay. I'm just <laughs> charmed know. by your Massachusetts <laughs> accent. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, my question is, um, you know, I've noticed there's a spiritual suffering and also a physical suffering. And i like to know if they're the one or the same on it, you know, because I've noticed a lot of people suffer spiritually. Uh, I keep on thinking about Lady at the foot of the cross, you know. Uh, I believe she suffered spiritually, you know. And um, it's like the parable, uh, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know. So I'm trying to have a better understanding. So if one of you could comment on it. I really appreciate it, and I could hang up and listen to your answer. Thank you, Sebastian. So the difference between physical and, and, and spiritual suffering, we have about three minutes left. So Okay, well, I'll be brief and then have you pick up on it. But I think they're related. <clears throat> like, uh, as I mentioned, many times people, uh, because of a f physical suffering, may react to it in a way that affects them spiritually. So... Do I use every mean possible, means possible to get it fixed? The right medicine, the right doctors. Um, I'm arthritic, diabetic, and I, I have a, a, a urologist, nephrologist. 
So I go there first, but you know, then if I get, I, I can't do anything better, then, then I'm into the spiritual realm. How do I handle what could be terminal? In my case, at this point, not. But um, I think they're interrelated. And Mother Elvira has kind of taught me that many people are escaping from all, any kind of suffering, um, any pain they can run away from by taking a drug that supposedly will remedy it and makes it worse. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, with spiritual suffering, that uh, the, there is a difference between physical and spiritual. Uh, in some cases, the physical difficulties, you find out you have cancer. You find out that you've got some other terminal disease. That's physical suffering. But then you say, well, what's the meaning of my life? What, have I wasted my life? Is there any purpose to it? Um, that's, uh, that's where the spiritual question starts to come in. And that's the deeper part, actually, where you, and lots of people, um, both of us have met over the years who suffer from physical diseases and disorders, have to confront that physical, and it wakes them up to start taking a look at the spiritual issues underlying. I'll never forget this summer, a man called me. I'd met 18 years ago. He was dying, he, but he said, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know. And I listened to him again, like I was saying, and uh, simply said, oh, I don't think that you disbelieve God. You're just mad at him. And he looked, said, wow, I never thought of that. I said, yeah. So I heard his confession. And then two weeks later, as he was dying, gave him the last rites and Holy Communion, first time since he got back from Vietnam. So this is uh, the spiritual that sometimes is awakened by the physical. Again, this book is called Prayers of Desperation, a Questioner's Prayer for Answers in Our Darkest Moments. It's available at EWTNRC.com. Where is item number 83429? We are flat out of time. Would you join me in giving a blessing? Surely. May Almighty God bless you all and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you throughout this new year. The Father, Lord bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And we can do this program, even if it's just a 20-minute ride for you to get here, and all the other programs we do, and the specials like Pope Benedict's funeral, only because the network is brought to you by you. So we ask you to please remember to keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill, and we'll pay all our bills too. God bless you, and thank you.